From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by Square. If you're an Android developer, you've most likely already heard of Square from the amazing open source Android libraries they've released. But we sometimes forget that Square is actually one of the best payment services companies. In this episode, they'd like you to know that you can build with Square's in-app payments SDK for Android for a secure and managed way to take payments. It enables mobile apps because, you know, you and I work on mobile apps. If you want a really nice and easy way to accept credit cards on the Square platform with a really nice pre-built slick UI, then the in-app payments SDK just does that right out of the bat. In the US, it also makes it possible to accept Google Pay and Apple Pay. I don't know about you folks, but these days I completely almost always rely on Apple Pay and Google Pay. You can learn more about the in-app payments SDK for Android and Square's other payments and commerce APIs and SDKs at youtube.com slash square dev. I love that instead of doing boring old documentation, they also provide this alternative channel because these days some of the best ways to actually see how to demonstrate or find a tutorial to use an SDK is just to show that through YouTube and Square does exactly just that. Thank you so much to Square for sponsoring today's show. And once again, you can go and check out their in-app payments SDK and actually go and look at the tutorial at youtube.com slash squaredev. Thanks for sponsoring today's show, Square. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to make sure that uh, I hope you all are staying safe at home. Uh, I know there's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now. So Don and I want to take this chance and wish that all of you are staying safe. Take care of your family, your health, and their safety is your primary priority. So please be doing that first beyond anything else. So in this episode, I am going to be going solo. Unfortunately, Don isn't here to accompany me. But I thought I'll talk about a topic that's dear to my heart, but also one uh, that came up in a recent conversation I had with a friend. One of my friends recently went through an extremely harrowing experience. Uh, she lost her phone and like a whole bunch of other really scary things happened. But that's a story for another time. And that's one where, again, I put my tinfoil hat and talk about how security is really important. But another angle that came up was how important having backups are. Backups in general, and I don't mean backups of something specific uh, in programming, but just backups in general, right? Backups are like those things that you know you should be doing, but most folks that I've talked to are kind of lazy about actually doing it the right way. You know, it's like testing. Uh, and I say this in some of my testing talks, everyone who everyone knows that you should be writing tests. Like everyone knows testing is a good thing and you should be uh, writing tests. But most people are a tad bit lazy about, you know, writing their tests. Or sometimes uh, writing the tests are difficult in your code base. And that's another reason why you should focus on trying to make the tests easy. So 
in this episode, what I'd like to do is talk to you about backups. Um, primarily two things. What are the different things that you should be backing up and also how to backup? And I think the how to backup portion is the one that I'm really interested in. I think that's the one that kickstarted a very interesting conversation for me. And given that we have like, especially if you're in the US right now, things are kicking into high gear where because of the COVID-19 uh, outbreak, uh, there's been a lot of curfews issued where folks are asked to stay home. So I would encourage you as you're listening to this episode to really think about your backup strategy. Are you taking the right backups uh, and are you doing it the right way? So let's talk about how to backup first. And this whole thing is going to go back to this rule called the 321 backup rule. And I'll make sure to post some links in the show notes about what this 321 backup rule is. Uh, but it boils down to this it's like a mnemonic to help you remember how you should be backing things up. Have at least three total copies of your data, which means any data that you possess should exist in three forms. There should be three copies of this data. That's what the three stands for. And the two is two of those copies of data can be local, but they must be on different mediums. And what this means is I can't just have a single disk, partition it into two drives and say, okay, I'm having one drive as a backup one and the other drive as a backup two, because you know, if that if you have if it's in the days I remember the days of the spinning disks. If you take your spinning disk and drop it on the floor, or you know you happen to knock it out while it was connected to your computer, that thing is toasted. So, the idea is you want two of these copies to be on different mediums. They can be local, which means you can have them on two different uh, physical hard drives. And the one uh, in the three two one rule is one of these should at least be offsite. And what they mean by that is one of these copies should not exist in the physical location that you're in. And the idea here is basically you won't, assuming God forbid, you know, if there was some calamity or something, or, you know, your house got flooded and you happen to have like your electronic equipment uh, damaged, or, you know, you had an unexpected leak in the roof and somehow that water dripped onto your computer as it was on. And, you know, I can think of all kind of scary Final Destination <laughs> scenarios uh, for your hard drives. But the idea is you want one of those to be offsite. And typically you would use like an, a web backup solution for this. So just to recap, the 321 backup rule is basically saying have at least three copies of your data, two of which can be local, but on different mediums, physical mediums strictly. So think of these as two different devices. And at least one of those copies must be offsite. Now, in general, I think this is a really good strategy to approach any of your backups. Uh, I try to follow this in all the backups that I try to take. So assuming I have some data that I think is important, then I try to uh, apply this strategy for any of the backups that I'm making. So let's move into the second portion, which is we talked about how to backup things, but what are the different things that you backup? The obvious one for me is given I'm, uh, I work as a programmer and a large part of everything that I do today is on my primary machine. I use a Mac uh, for my primary uh, 
of my primary machine. It's, I mean, if you're curious, it's actually, and uh, I have a Mac mini that's uh, a completely beefed out Mac mini that's connected to uh, an external monitor. And again, I don't want to get sidetracked into a tangent, but I'm actually thinking of moving to just an iMac because it's space constrained, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is I have a, a single machine that happens to be my primary home Mac. It, now, if I'm going to apply the three to one backup rule, which I do, the way I ensure that all the data on this is backed up is I want three copies of this data. The first copy of this data is basically the machine itself, right? So as I make changes and use my machine, that's one copy of this data. The second copy of this data, I do by this strategy called uh, bootable backups. I guess I use uh, a lot of the softwares that I reference are uh, ones for the Mac, and I'll try to add links in the show notes for all of these. But uh, just remember, I'm sure you can find very reliable like variants of these on Windows or Linux as well as uh, depending on your case. But the second copy in the three to in the three portion of the three to one backup rule for my home Mac, one copy is the Mac itself. My second copy is a bootable backup, and I use this software. I've been using this for quite some time. It's called SuperDuper. SuperDuper is a Mac software that makes bootable backups, and this is important. Uh, bootable backups are a special kind of backup where you can basically host your completely uh, if you can just start off with a new machine and plug it into one of these backups and say, super duper, just restore everything to how it was. And it will restore it exactly to the point uh, of when the backup was taken. So these are really powerful forms of backup. And this is a bootable backup. This is uh, my second copy in the three to one. And my third and final copy is a different kind of backup. And this is uh, a versioned backup in quotes. It's not a bootable backup, it's a versioned backup. And in order to uh, create this versioned backup, I use another Mac software called Arc, A-R-Q. And Arc basically sends these versioned backups uh, to an offsite location. And this offsite location is basically Backblaze for me. Uh, Backblaze has this special kind of storage called B2. Uh, and these B2 storages is where you would uh, technically where I back up my ARC backups, if that makes sense. So there are different versions of this. If you want a like, simple, no-brainer, easy solution for this, you can also use Backblaze. Uh, Backblaze, actually, I think they started out with just the solution. I personally use ARC because I've used ARC uh, before and I've actually backed it to like Amazon S3 locations and yeah, Amazon had this other service called Glacier. Uh, I don't want to get into too many of those details right now, but the idea is I used to use that for my off-site backups, but now I've, I use ARC and I redirect that to Backblaze B2. This is also another reason I, I actually kind of like ARC. It's because it's I get to control where my destination is. If you use Backblaze, unfortunately, I think uh, if you use Backblaze as like you know their five dollar per month product, then I think it's just used hosted in their own servers. Um, but you can also open up a Backblaze account and say I only want the B2 portion, and then use Arc to backup, which is what I use. So to recap, my Mac has three uh, in the three to one backup rule. That's how I have three backups: the uh, the Mac itself, my bootable backup, and the versioned backup. The bootable backup 
is basically a super duper clone that's done to an external hard disk. Now I actually have two gigantic external hard disks. Well, it's not that big, but uh, these are two Western digital hard disks. One is four terabytes and the other is a uh, single terabyte. Don't worry about the single terabyte for now. I'll tell you what I use it for later. But that four terabyte hard disk is basically my, in quotes, backup hard disk. All my backups go into that. And I'll talk about that in a second. So in the three to one uh, rule, I've actually fulfilled all of these conditions from my primary Mac because I have three copies. Two of those copies are uh, you know, local, but on different mediums. My Mac is a physically different machine and my uh, external uh, Western digital four terabyte external hard disk is another medium. So that's two there. And one is the version backup that I send to uh, Backblaze B2 via Arc. So those are my Arc backups. Uh, again, I don't think I mentioned this, but the difference between a version backup and a bootable backup, I already explained what a bootable backup is. But version backups are, how do I explain it? If, I mean, you think about Time Machine, like Time Machine is a free utility that comes with more, uh, most with the Mac, and that's kind of what you do. It, it isn't a bootable backup. I can't point to these backups or like a Time Machine backup and say, hey, restore my machine, I would have to manually copy these files. But the advantage I have with this is it's a versioned backup, which means say one of my files got, like, you know, the latest version of my file for some reason got corrupt on my Mac. And I'm like, ah, I just need the version of this file from, you know, a month or two back or like a few days back. In this case, what I would do is I would go to uh, the one of these locations where I have my version backup. So I would just open up Backblaze, the B2, or I can just, uh, I would use Arc and look at the file that I want and then like look at all the versions that I have backed up, pick up, copy that file and paste it here. So this works for single files. It doesn't work for, you know, if you want to like restore your machine. So I hope that gives you an idea. And again, like if you're talking about expenses, these are not very expensive. And also I think backups are so crucial to, like, you know, the sanctity of your data that I think it's worth spending the money. Um, my super duper is this, I think I bought it. It's a one-time license. I bought it once uh, and I've used that. They were very good with upgrades. They've been amazing with upgrades and it's just a really stable and very easily, easy and intuitive piece of software to use. So super duper, the thing that creates my bootable backups is a one-time license. You have to pay for ARC as well. And I think it's about $60 or $50. It's a one-time payment again for the software arc, but you also have, and all of these so far are like just one time. The Western digital external hard disk is also a one-time cost. So almost all of these are just one-time costs. The only thing that I have a monthly subscription for is the Backblaze B2 remote storage that I uh, use. And honestly, it is super cheap. I think I pay right now maybe a dollar for all like the data that I have. Now you can look up the pricing. It's incredibly cheap. So it's like a dollar a month and a dollar a month is nothing uh, for me at least because I feel given how important this data is for me, I make sure that I have I, I spend that amount and have good backups. If you don't do this and you use a Mac, I highly encourage you to like just follow a similar pattern. I've given you these solutions. It is not expensive. And actually taking these backups are pretty easy. What I do is personally, I have a monthly reminder. So at the end of the month, uh, I, I use this 
to do software called things. And it just sends me reminders saying, hey, time to take up your backups. And in that checklist, I just basically have all the things that I have to do. I literally just plug in my backup disk and super duper recognizes that I've connected. It automatically does the backup, so I don't have to worry about that. Arc runs on my machine every single day, so it automatically keeps sending the backups to uh, Backplace. And it, I think it, I have it set up so it does it at 2 a.m. in the morning when I'm asleep, so I don't even notice that it's doing it in the background. Uh, and the only thing that I have to do is just plug in the physical hard drive. So it's super easy to have this set up. Uh, it's a one-time thing. I, I really encourage you to go ahead and do this. It'll definitely give you peace of mind. So that's the primary machine that I use. Now, and that's, I'm really good about that one. I'm not really good about some of the other one, uh, this other one that I'm gonna talk about. Remember I told you I have two external hard disks. One is the four terabyte version. I also have a one terabyte external hard disk. And this is a hard disk I've been using for quite some time. I use this literally as an extension of my Mac or my uh, machine. My current Mac, uh, the Mac mini that I have, and hopefully the iMac that I will get in some time, uh, they use solid state drives, SSDs as they're called now they can tend to be a little expensive. So I don't have a terabyte on those. I only have 500 GB. 500 GB is not enough to hold all the data I've ever collected over the you know numerous, numerous years that I've been using a computer. But amazingly, a one terabyte has been enough. So what I do now is that one terabyte external hard disk, it's actually silver in color, and the other one is a black Western digital, and that's how I differentiate. The silver one essentially is like an extension of all my data. So, you know, some music that I've purchased, uh, you know, and some movies that I legally have uh, acquired in my early days, a lot of those live on those hard disks. There are also like some, uh, you know, uh, projects that I worked on. I've worked in my days of sound engineering. I like created some uh, music. A lot of that stuff is stored as projects on this external hard disk. For this external hard disk, uh, again, I should technically be following the three to one backup rule. I don't follow the three to one backup rule and this is bad. I got to figure out like a mechanism of like uh, handling this. But right now what I do is that disk is back, the silver one terabyte hard disk has a second copy that is backed up to my four terabyte black disk. So I do have two physical drives. And I take all the data from that and every when I have this monthly reminder, one of my tasks is to essentially just back up all the data that's there in that silver hard disk into the black uh, four terabyte hard disk. And my thinking here, I, by the way, I do this with an rsync terminal script. So I just connect the hard disk, I just run the rsync script. And if I can actually share my rsync script that I use in the show notes, it's this ginormous command. I just copy and paste it. If you're curious to know how rsync works, let me know. Uh, I can actually make a screencaster of this and tell you like the different parameters I use, but it's super straightforward. The way I have rsync set up is I try to mirror these copies. So if by chance I add data to the Western, uh, the four terabyte hard disk by mistake, then I make sure that that doesn't get wiped out, but gets copied over to the one terabyte uh, drive. And the one terabyte is typically what I operate out of. So if I need to store data or like uh, save some large file that I don't want uh, lingering on my Mac uh, internal hard disk, then I keep it on the one terabyte silver hard disk. And I use rsync to back that up. 
uh, to the fourth drive by disk. So the problem with that, if you think back, uh, am I following this rule? No, I'm actually violating a lot of the things in this three to one backup rule. I don't have three versions of this data. I only have two versions. Uh, both are local, but in their different mediums, they're in different mediums. So I do adhere to the two portion of the three to one rule. And one of these needs to be an offline uh, solution. I definitely do not uh, adhere to that. I could change this and my thought process is I probably might be doing this at some point, but I think I can maybe have that connected directly to my Mac always and have Arc back that up to another uh, Backblaze P2 storage. And I think that would take care of uh, fulfilling the rule, uh, the three to one backup rule. But I, full disclosure, I haven't done that to that disk and I probably should. So. I've been going on for some time now about like these backups and I hope you have a very good sense now of what I mean specifically by the three to one backup rule and how to apply it. But it doesn't stop there. If you ask me what are like the most important electronic data that I hold, I would answer my Mac obviously. And uh, the other thing that is really crucial to me is my phone. You know, and the thing I like to ask myself is, you know, if for some reason my house caught on fire, what are the two things that I can quickly grab and run out of the house, right? Uh, and to me, the answer would be that four terabyte black disk. And that's why I keep that black thing, that four terabyte, because it holds a lot of these important backups that I have. That, and actually my phone, because my phone for very obvious reasons, my phone is like, you know, a window into all the electronic, uh, my electronic uh, existence. So I would grab those two things as the most important thing. I wouldn't even grab my Mac because obviously if it's an iMac, I can't like carry my iMac as my house is on fire. So <laughs> I would just grab the black, the four terabyte disc and my phone. My phone, coming to my phone, is super crucial information. It is extremely important data that I need backed up. I actually have two phones. I have the Pixel 2 that I use and I have an iPhone. I've actually switched to the iPhone uh, right now as my primary device and I did this mostly because for, and I know this is sacrilegious, but uh, uh, I can talk about that in another episode. Essentially, I didn't like the Pixel 3s or 4s, so I just switched to using an iPhone for some time. My phone right now is extremely crucial. And again, I follow the 3 to 1 backup rule here. The way I do this is... The phone itself is one version of the data. I use the web storage. So I use both iCloud on my phone, on my iPhone, and I use uh, well, the Google Drive backup that exists on Android. So that's my second copy. And that's actually also my offline copy. So I've also fulfilled the one rule. And my third uh, copy of this is I actually also back these up. So if you connect uh, your phone to your Mac, you can also take physical backups of your phone on your, uh, you know, on your Mac or your local machine. And uh, you can do this with iTunes. You used to do this iTunes. Now with the whole Catalina nonsense, they do this with just integrating it into Finder, which actually makes it convenient. But, you know, ask me questions if you want to know how. But essentially, I've created three copies. One of those backups live on, uh, you know, I, I can back that up on the Mac. The second is to iCloud and the third is the phone itself. And for Google, I basically do two of those. I don't actually back, uh, I don't do a physical backup onto my Mac. I just back it up to Google Drive and the actual uh, phone itself. So I feel good about my phone. That takes care of my phone and like, you know, the OS related information. 
there are other copies like this goes back to like the different things that you should be backing up uh, my photos my photos are super crucial i'm really bad at this one again full disclosure and i'm trying to figure out a better mechanism so if you have ideas do let me know uh right now i only have my phones backed up to google photos and so this like is a big red alert in my 3 to 1 warning thing uh, it is an the one is it is an offline backup so that's great but the other problem here is my phone only keeps like a certain like a certain i think you know maybe the last two years or three years of my photos it doesn't actually have all my photos that's only in google photos and this is kind of dangerous because if for some reason google locks me out of my account tomorrow all my photos are gone and that's scary so i have to figure out a strategy there google has this thing called google takeout which i also highly encourage you to do i think i've taken uh, i've done this takeout i think i did it beginning of last year i didn't do it this year cuz it's just so you know frustratingly slow and i need to come up with a better mechanism of like backing that up uh what i did think about is maybe this year i might change it a little and i'm thinking of maybe keeping my mac again as my primary source or like you know maybe the external hard disk that i talked about that silver hard disk uh that i spent way too much time explaining <laughs> uh using that as like my repository of all my photos and so my phone would physically send all the photos to that and i could have that automatically back up to google photos and i think that would again take care of like this 3 to 1 uh situation the 3 to 1 backup rule i haven't done that yet but i'm looking to do that especially because i think photos are super important again email is something that i think is very important so that's again a similar strategy you should use i feel good about email because email i have it in gmail i also store i use this uh this script called got your back gyb which basically backs up all my gmail and i use a similar strategy to have like two copies of that so I feel good about email, I feel good about photos, my phone, the data itself is very crucial. I need to like do better there. Uh I also take copies of my one pa- I use one password, so I also take copies of my one password backup. Um and so this is a, a pretty like substantial episode uh, where I go about my backup strategy. I really hope you folks find this useful. I really strongly encourage you to take the time now you have some you know if you're all working from home you're saving multiple hours uh here where you're not commuting i really encourage you to think about your backup strategy it is so crucially important to have a good strategy now i spent quite some time talking about this whole 3 to 1 backup rule but i'm going to also add a link in the show notes where they actually talk about why the 3 to 1 backup rule is actually not that effective and Uh, I think the gist there is they suggest a alternative strategy which is a 322 rule. I will say this the 3 to 1 I'm personally fine with just having the 3 to 1 backup rule. I think that in itself is much better than the alternative which is no backup. If you think your data is even more important and you're not and you want to see why the 3 to 1 is not necessarily effective enough, this link is for you go read it. I will say though that the 3 to 1 rule was something that came recommended by the United States government in you know a US cert paper and cert is a computer emergency readiness team thing uh and Carnegie Mellon my alma mater also like recommended this method you can I'll I'll share the wikipedia link as to why i think the 3 to 1 is 
enough in quotes, but again, it's better to be informed. So look at this link that I also shared to see the downfalls and why they think the three to one rule is probably not enough and you need to be even better and go with the three to two rule. That's it for the show, folks. Uh, I know this was slightly luxury, but I really hope uh, you take this to heart and come up with a stronger backup strategy. If you think I can improve my backup strategy, I'm really open to uh, comments and suggestions. Please send them our way. Thank you all so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode. I want to take this chance and also thank Square for sponsoring today's show. You can build with their in-app payments SDK for Android in a secure way. If you're a mobile app and you want to basically just take payments, then you should definitely check their SDK out. For a nice tutorial on how to use this SDK, head on over to youtube.com slash square. Thanks again for sponsoring today's show, Square. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.